ritual without understanding is pointless. It makes no sense for us to be here tonight if we don't understand why we are here. We would say, yes, it's Christmas. We know why we're here. It's tradition. Uh, The family brings me or I bring the family, one or the other. But there's a bit more to it than just that. And the Apostle John explains to us the importance of Christ's coming in the first chapter of his gospel. And briefly tonight, we're going to shine a spotlight on just one verse in John chapter 1, verse 14. And this is what John writes. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what does that mean? Well, John begins by telling us the Word became flesh. It's a phrase that we can barely make sense of. We have English words that make up a phrase, but it's hard for us to comprehend the meaning. The Word became flesh. Who is the Word? Well, John has told us already, chapter 1, verse 1, that that Word was at the beginning of all things. That Word existed with God. The Word is God. The Word created All things. Do you know how many things the Word created? All things. He created oceans and mountains and panda bears and blue whales and milky ways and black holes and quasars and freckles. He created all things. And in the Word is life for the spiritually dead and light for those in spiritual darkness and the power to overcome that darkness. The Word became flesh. Unlimited God became limited man. When the Word became man, when He took on flesh, He did not cease to be the Word. He did not pause being the Word in order to be man, nor did He divide His godness so as to become half man and half God. One of the great mysteries of the Incarnation is that he was fully God and fully man at the same time. And he made his dwelling among us. The God who created all things entered his creation. And how should God enter the scene? If we were writing the story, we would have him come with legions of angels and fiery chariots, lightning and volcanoes, But not this first time. He was born to peasant parents, wrapped in cloths, and laid in a feed trough that became a makeshift cradle. John tells us, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. What are we talking about when we talk about glory? Well, when we in our culture think about glory... We think of a a person who receives praise and recognition for achieving greatness in their respective field, the actor who wins an Oscar, the journalist who wins the Peabody, the Belichick that wins the Super Bowl. These people receive glory, right? But I want us to hold on to that idea of glory, put it to the side for just a moment. We're going to revisit it. 
John tells us there's two reasons why Jesus receives glory. First is his identity. He is the one and only son who came from the Father. The second reason Jesus receives glory is because of his purpose or what he does. He is full of grace and truth. So he's due glory first because of identity. He's the one and only son. Here John is speaking of the utter uniqueness of Jesus. There is no one else like him. And so to see Jesus is to see the Father. The being of God is really in Christ. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. He is the exact representation, the embodiment, the impress of the fundamental reality of God. What God essentially is, is made manifest in Jesus. Second, he's due glory because of his purpose. John told us he came full of grace and truth. So grace is only grace when it's given. One cannot be called gracious and yet withhold grace. So to say Jesus is full of grace is to say he has come full of blessing for those whose lives are defined by curse. His life is for those who are spiritually dead. He is light for those who dwell in darkness. We did not ask him to come. We did not deserve him to come. That's what makes it grace. And John also tells us Jesus is full of truth. Jesus has said of himself that he is the truth. Not a truth among many truths. He is the truth that God has responded to sinful, rebellious humanity In love. He has come to us to save us. And so here we have the reasons for his glory, his identity, and his purpose. And what we might do now is take our cultural understanding of glory and apply that to this biblical description of Jesus. And we would praise him for his greatness and majesty and beauty. But the glory of Jesus is a glory of a different kind. Whereas you and I associate glory with achievement and greatness, Jesus did not ascend to glory. Rather, here in John chapter 1, he descended to glory. The one and only Son from the Father was executed on a Roman cross, hanging mutilated and humiliated in front of his mother. His grace is proven through his self-sacrifice, and his truth is that salvation is found in him. A while back, I read a story about a Catholic priest named Damien de Wuster. He was from Finland, and in 1873, he was sent to Hawaii as a missionary. When he got to Hawaii, he learned of the rampant spread of leprosy that had struck the islands in recent years. There was no known cure at the time, and so the only option was to exile those with the disease onto this small peninsula only accessible by boat off the island of Molokai. And so by the time Father Damien arrived in Hawaii, lepers had been living on this little bit of land on Molokai for seven years. And when he learned about it, he volunteered to go there and to minister to the people. He knew it would be a one-way trip and that he would also eventually die of leprosy. And still, he said, yes. When he arrived on this little peninsula, he found deplorable conditions, as you can imagine. The place was sick with disease, 
and it was sick with depravity. In the leper colony, he saw extreme drunkenness, all kinds of immorality, abuse, victimizations, and an overall sense of hopelessness. And what he saw were people who desperately needed to know the answer to the question we all ask, where is God? They needed to know where God's presence was in their life. And so in 1873, Father Damien lived among 700 lepers. Knowing the dangers and realizing the inevitable outcome of his contact with these people, he built hospitals and clinics and churches and also built some 600 coffins while also pointing people to Jesus. Whenever a church service was held, he would stand up in front of the lepers and he would warmly and lovingly address them as, my dear brethren. But then one morning in 1885, at the age of 45, in a calm, clear voice, instead of, my dear brethren, he began with, my fellow lepers. You see, it was out of love that a humble priest became one of them. It was out of love that he gave those people a gift that would change their lives for all eternity. He shared with them the answer to the ever-present question, where is God? And the only way he could give them the answer was by becoming one of them. Today his statue stands on the grounds of the Hawaii State Capitol. April 15th is his birthday. It's a statewide holiday. The Word, who spoke in the very beginning came in a body of flesh and bone and muscle and tendon. Christ made his dwelling among us sin-sick people. He stooped and came near, vulnerable, glorious, humble, taking on the very nature of a man. And he has shown us love not merely in word, not merely in affection, but in deed. Greater love has no one than this, then he laid down his life for his friends. And so Jesus, in a bed of hay, Jesus on a dusty road, Jesus on a wooden cross, King Jesus walking out of a rock-hewn tomb, we have beheld his glory. You cannot be loved more by God than you are at this very moment. So may you trust him for the grace he has shown us in Jesus. May we say yes to the truth we have heard from Jesus. May we worship the one who has loved us so perfectly and so completely. Would you join me in prayer? To you, the word who became flesh, we praise your name. For your grace and truth to us, we sing glory. Holy Spirit, Help us to take in the magnitude of this truth we celebrate in song and word tonight. And turn our hearts to you, the giver of life, the light who shines in the darkness, the creator of all things, the one who has loved us enough to lay down his life on the cross and take it up again. For all of this we praise you, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.